welcome to the Life Creation Podcast. I'm your host, Andrina Tisi. Together, we will explore thoughts, inspirations, and conversations that feed our soul, spark the mind, and nourish the body. Thank you so much for being here to learn and grow and for walking this journey called life with me. Welcome to the Life Creation Podcast. In today's episode, I'm sharing a deep conversation I had with Shelly Sharon about life alignment and what it means to feel at home with yourself. I have personally worked with Shelly and I'm currently part of one of her meditation groups. So I'm really, really excited to share a little bit of her with you today. Shelly is originally from Israel a former dancer, coffee shop owner, and a thought-after-business consultant for social change. Together with her two cats, she and her partner call Zurich home now. Shelley helps women who've been around the block with healing and self-growth when they want to deal with challenging feelings so they can deepen their self-trust and expression and feeling deeply at home with themselves. She's a meditation teacher, life alignment coach, and a writer with nearly 15 years of experience in helping people around the world coming home to themselves. She's offering private coaching, workshops, and retreats worldwide. So let's not wait any longer and dive right into the conversation I had with Shelly. Hi, Shelly. So nice to have you here on my Life Curation podcast. Hendrina, it's really exciting to be here. Thank you. So to kick it off, I'd like to ask my guests um, a few this or that questions. So you can completely answer um, spontaneously whatever first pops up in your mind. Okay. So appetizer or dessert? Appetizer, for sure. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Oh, it depends on the day. I like so much both. It's a tough choice. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Roses or sunflowers? Sunflowers, yeah. Taking a bath or a shower? A shower, a shower, yeah. Cool. Cats or dogs? Cats. I knew that. <laughs> if we can. <laughs> you have these two cats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. So, Shelley, amongst so many things that you, that you are and that you do, um, you're also a life alignment coach. So mm -hmm. how would you describe or explain to a child what life alignment is? Hmm. To a child. It's a tough one, you know. You know, the first answer that comes to my mind is that you can't explain everything to a child. And, and there is something in it. So there, one of the, the, the kind of like the buzzwords today is the inner child, right? Yes. get connected to the inner child and, and speak 
from your inner child or about your inner child. And this is actually a concept that I'm um, not encouraging so much because I think that, you know, we are, we're grown up, we're grown ups and our emotional lives are much more complex and layered and we have different experiences that children don't have. And so when we focus on our inner child and normally it is used as a concept of giving ourselves permission to feel or giving ourselves permission to get in touch with our vulnerability, then we're losing that complexity and that depth that we bring. So I'm not sure I would like to explain that to a child. Mm -hmm. But having said that... (laughs) or at least that's what comes to mind that you know I appreciate the question it's it's a kind of like it's a it's a it's a it's a deep one it's a beautiful one and so it brings to mind this um this this association to the inner child and and how and how we use it to relate to to a fuller and multi-dimensional emotional life that we have but having said that I could simply say to a child, look, um, this is where you are and this is where you want to be. And life alignment is just about bringing the two together or at least narrowing the gap. Beautiful. I think that's great. That's really (laughs) good. So what do you think holds so many people back from actually being in line with their life or exactly why many people feel this gap from where they are to where they want to be Mm -hmm. yeah well i'd like to start probably by saying that it's very normal to have a gap so it's not actually possible to have your life that the life that you want exactly in where the life that you have there will always be some kind of um a river between the two but obviously we want that river to have something that we can hop quite easily from one bank to another rather than a huge gigantic river that was like oh my god how do I even start how do I even begin to think about crossing from one side to the other and so one of the, the the common reasons that we have such a big gap between where we want to be and where we are is related to what I what I brought up earlier, is that we treat our emotional life in a, in an unkind way. So we either narrow it down to you know having a um, to to cry or to feel down or to feel upset is to be like a child. Not to mention when I bring up feelings like sa- sadness or jealousy or anger. Yeah, anger and jealousy are really charged feelings and, and we treat them in, as if they, they belong to children and not to us as, as grown-ups, as human beings. And then there is also things like, you know, you have so much good stuff happening in your life. I mean, you have no reason to feel the way you feel. And so we, we kind of like, we rationalize our feelings in a way that, doesn't really give them space to be as emotion, as a messenger for, for some kind of information from our psyche, from our depth. So this 
this I could say probably is one of the common, the most common reasons why why our lives are not in alignment. But also when we think about emotions, we also need to think about and be kind to ourselves when we think about it. How skilled we are in in facing our feelings, in 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 just knowing how to hold them or give them space or understand what they're trying to say to us because it's just so not encouraged to to have a full feeling life. Absolutely. And there's so many keywords that you mentioned that I want to dig deeper into. <laughs> um, so one of, one of the things that um, comes up for me, how can we be kinder to our feelings and our emotional life? Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful question. A really beautiful. I love it. You know, this morning I read an article in, in, um, I went yesterday to the kickoff meeting of the American women's club in Zurich. Yes. And I received the monthly magazine that they publish. Um, and I was reading through it this morning and I read there were quite a lot of uh, articles about personal growth, which quite surprised me. And one of them was um, like a dialogue about, about, let's say, Mary and Jacob. So Mary is sitting at home and, and Jacob comes home and he founds his wife, Mary, sitting in the living room. And she's sobbing, she's sobbing, she's crying. And when he asks her, what, what, what happened? And she said, oh, I'm such a klutz. I was trying to do my online order of the shopping and... Um, I did that, and it's just so hard to do that in German. And I, when I when I I when they the shopping got here, I completely forgot that it was supposed to be here. And so the people who brought it just left it at the doorstep, and then I had to pick it all all that by myself. And then I realized that I ordered too much of the the paper towels and too much of the. And she begins to explain to him all the things that she's doing wrong, and she's crying and crying and crying. And he says, you know, you're trying to fit into this new life too much. How about we find you someone who can help you find where you already fit in? And then, you know, he says, you know, you remember your friend Stephanie who came here to help you do this and that. And, and you can probably also ask her to come and help you with shopping in Germany and all the rest of it. And I have to say, this article had me in tears. Yeah, sounds like it. Because it acknowledged my experience as an immigrant uh, here in Zurich, which is not always easy. Yes. And so what we really want to what we really want to have is to have our experience acknowledged. And we can do that for ourselves. So if you ask me what is the first step that we can make is forget about acceptance. Okay? Forget about accepting your feelings, forget about accepting your shitty situations, forget about, you know, accepting that your husband is not taking the rubbish out or your boss is yelling at you or your life is not where you want to be. Forget about accepting it. Just begin with acknowledging what you're feeling right now. Mm. 
And as you bring that honesty, a lot of the tension and the pressure of pushing aside what we don't like already dismantles. And we have a lot more energy and space to begin to ask ourselves, okay, so I acknowledge the fact that I feel sad or I feel frustrated or I'm not where I want to be. And so now we can ask, okay, if life alignment is the river, what do I need? Do I need a ship? Do I need a boat? Do I need a raft? Do I need to build a bridge? Do I need a guide, someone to help me find the place where it would be uh, most safe to cross that river? Just acknowledging your experience as it is, it gives so much relief. Well, absolutely. And it's, I mean, that's exactly what I experienced when I was working with you last year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's also one thing that happens in the personal development field that we constantly have the feeling that we need to improve ourselves. Mm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when we work together, you were just like, well, just notice. Your homework is just to notice. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and it's exactly exactly what you what you said happened. It just made me completely soften into into my journey and just to actually give it space to notice and not constantly feel that I have to be in the doing space, right? So yeah, um, that really resonates with me what you said. And then what also um, makes me think of, and, and, and correct me if I'm, if I'm going into the um, wrong direction, or because you, you also talk about claiming our space, mm-hmm. right? And that story, what you just said in the magazine, yeah. reminded me a little bit of that, right? Saying, hey, it's okay, you're not at home here, but you can still claim your space and find the space that is right for you. Is that, is that, does that resonate with you? Absolutely, absolutely. We cannot claim spaces that are actually not designed for us. And so I could say that another, uh, if you wish, a second step once you've acknowledged your experience is to stop trying to fit in. Stop trying fitting in into spaces that feel too small for you or that they're just not welcoming for you, that you're struggling too much to understand where is my space, where, how can I bring my contribution into that space? It seems like it's being rejected over and over again or it's not being valued and appreciated in the way that I, that I would like to be valued and appreciated and in the way that I know that I can be valued and appreciated. And so claiming your space is actually, first of all, understanding where is it that you put yourself that you're actually not supposed to be there and just get out of there, you know, just, just, just take a U-turn and, and get out of there. And then begin this, this exploration or this engagement. And yes, I would like to, to um, kind of like open a window and expand a little bit about noticing an awareness that you, you, you brought up earlier. Um, you know, I, I write um, 
I've, I've written a book about claiming your space and, and really what it means, and then we can get back to it later. But um, what you mentioned earlier, I would like perhaps to read a few lines of uh, that I that I kind of like edited just today about awareness and why awareness is such a different and radical invitation for self-growth and healing and, and personal transformation, as opposed, for example, to analysis or behavioral therapies. You know, everything has its benefits and everything has its uh, contribution to, to our well-being. And I'm not saying this is better than that. But what I am saying is that I can zoom in into awareness as a healing tool. And that's what I would like to kind of to do in this opportunity and conversation that we have. Because awareness is very gentle in a way. But at the same time, it's very sharp and uncompromising. So it's kind of like you're not forced to say anything that you're not ready to say. But when you begin to be aware of the things that you don't want to say and you still say them because you want to please others or the things that you want to say and you don't say them because you're afraid of the response, you take responsibility over other people's emotions, then this awareness begins to create an inner space that makes much more sense to you. And so the way that I kind of like zoomed into awareness is that awareness asks questions where each furrows a lane for fresh seedlings. Awareness brings us to the body where the past is engraved without words and sensations are scaffoldings for new brave steps. Awareness enlivens the feelings that make our heart light like wings of a butterfly. So awareness really helps us ask the questions that need to be asked. And as we ask a question, it's like, whoosh, it's kind of like it opens up a new channel for, for, for a new path of water to flow, for a new flow of life. Or it brings us back into our body in a way that we don't have to articulate our past, we don't have to articulate our feelings, but we can find that in a very, very intimate space in our body. And that already helps us to come back to now and serves into, okay, so what is the next step that I can take? What is the next brave step that I'm able to make? Or it brings to life feelings that were stifled and locked down for such a long time in such a lively way that, again, releases the pressure of pushing away the things that we don't like to see because we just don't know what to do with it. Yes, absolutely. And I think, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. And, um, you know, your writing is, um, you know, I'm excited. <laughs> I'll get to that in a moment. Um, and I think we're so conditioned to always respond right without even often thinking or reflecting or like feeling that awareness um just constantly reaction mode of responding that's that's i feel that's what we're conditioned absolutely and i'm so happy that you you say that because it's a very 
beautiful and important aspect of awareness and mindfulness as a healing tool mm-hmm. or or um, or a holding space for for self growth because as you said it doesn't necessarily ask us to respond in a habitual way but it gives a different kind of response that comes from a more attentive and loving relationship with what we see with what we find now let me say you know often of course you know i had a good friend uh, for many years who is a is a great uh, tai chi master and uh, we, we met in the first retreat uh, meditation retreat um, that i sat in and uh, he he was kind of like very impressed with my stubbornness and which within the years i kind of learned to let go and soften a lot really meditation helped me to soften a lot into myself and he said to me one day he said you know why people don't like to meditate so much it's because what you see at first inside it's not so glamorous so to correspond with what you said it's like the external life that we have is being bombarded by um, posters of what beauty is or posters of what success looks like or posters of what you need to be and do in order to be loved and in order to be appreciated or to feel that you are enough. And we bring these kind of images into our inner life and we compare our inner life to, to these images and we just don't give ourselves any chance to, to grow. But awareness, as you said, it, it helps us to kind of like stop pushing into everything, stop responding into everything, and um, not being triggered by these images that we see outside. And that gives us a space to cultivate a new relationship with, with who we actually want to be in this life, with our gifts, with our contribution. Yeah. So what has um, helped you to step into this for yourself? Um, I'm never quite sure how to, how to answer this question because on the one hand, there has always been a desire uh, since I remember myself as a small child. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there has been this desire to step into myself fully and not really knowing what it means and seeing a lot of uh, non-role models around me. It's kind of like, so how do you actually do that? Is this some kind of a fantasy? Is it really possible? So it has been sort of like a life quest for me. But at the same time, I can also say that I can put a pin to the days when I started meditating. Um, when I, when I, when I went to a, a, a Buddhist meditation, uh, sitting and I just felt at home because nobody asked me to believe in anything, but actually I was asked to value my experience as it is. And that was like, whoa, that was a huge difference, especially for me that I, I come from Israel and religion in Israel is such a strong component in in life and the fact that there is no separation between religion and and state uh, means that it is kind of like embedded into daily life in in many ways Mm 
And so to step into a space where I'm not asked to believe in anything and not to kind of like buy into another doctrine, but instead lean into my experience and find, discover the value that already exists in my experience was really a love from first sight for me. And so that really helped me to begin to understand that what I sensed as a child is possible. And it began to give me some kind of tools and then, of course, also path and like-minded people, which is called Sangha in, in Buddhism, and blessed teachers and beautiful people who have been traveling that road uh, before I started and were able to give support and also become role models that you can really embody what you want to be in this life. That's beautiful. And do you think that whole, you know, approach or like that awareness and like just acknowledging what even is going on inside the, the, the feelings and the emotions, do you think that is coming from your background in Buddhist meditation? Yes, I think it's, I think, again, it's, it's a combination of both. I've always, I've always had a very um, elaborate or extensive feeling life. And I was always uh, being told that I'm too sensitive. I don't know if you can resonate with that, you know, too sensitive, <laughs> too smart for your own good, uh, too ambitious, um, etc., etc. There was always a two attached to, attached to something that I uh, intuitively brought from from who I was, and so that has been a part of me, and and acknowledging the fact that I have feelings, but now I have a different kind of communication channel uh, with my feelings has definitely, through meditation, has definitely enabled me to also see the value in them and to include that into the, the work that I, um, that I do with, uh, with women. Yeah. That's great. And just shifting gears a little bit, um, on your website, you really say beautifully, and I'm quoting, <laughs> learning how to say no to anything that is not aligned with who you want to be. Mm-hmm. And it sounds great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I read it, you know, the word boundary also popped up into my head, right? Um, can you talk a little bit about why it is so hard for us to say no? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'd like to bring in also an aspect of, of being a woman to this question because um, it adds a very, a very specific hue to, to what it means to say no. When as a woman, you're, you're really, even in the 21st century, expected to say yes please or yes sir or yes of course yes I can do it you know this kind of like the the old uh, feminist uh, poster of the woman holding her hand with pumping her muscle and saying yes I can do it 
and and you know movement starts from a place that needs to put a boundary uh, a very clear boundary to what is unhelpful and i feel that today you know we in the past 60 years what has happened is that we need to shift into a different kind of yes or a different kind of no that doesn't lean into i'm going to be like a man so i can be a woman i'm going to say yes i can do it like a man so i can be a woman so in other words partly why it is difficult to say no is because you just expected to say yes to everything yeah and when this expectation hovers in the collective consciousness um let's be honest it's not so easy to to negotiate with that it's not so easy to find a way on how to uh bringing a different kind of conversation especially 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 if you are trying to do something that is governed by um by majority of male like so many women who work in the corporate world and you know and, and, and other spheres and another reason why it's it's difficult to say no it is because we are not quite sure whether what we have to offer is enough and so if i'm going to say no to one thing that means i'm going to have to say yes to another thing and that means i'm going to have to come up with let me give you an example so it doesn't stay abstract um a woman uh, came to me and she said i want to make a lot of changes in my life and i want to stop living my life from my mind i want to be more heart led and as much as i'm excited by this new change and it feels like this is where really my heart wants to be i'm also afraid of letting go of the past because that brings a lot of implications that means that there will be some people who are going to reject my changes and i love them and it's painful to say goodbye to them or to the relationship that we had or there will be a lot of people who might criticize my changes and my movements and because i'm not sure that i'm going in the right direction then how can i say no to something that i feel that is not aligned but i'm not quite sure what awaits me in in the future so there is that reason also for difficult to say no because we're not quite sure what is it what we're saying yes to but in this in this manner i would like to say that every time that you say yes to something you're also saying no to something else and if it's easier for you to say yes to something if it's easier or it's more habitual for you to please people i would say start by looking into what is it that you're actually saying yes to are you saying yes to like me please like me are you saying yes to yes i will do that because i want to fit in yes i will follow that because i don't want to stay alone and this is where everybody else is going make it more clear to yourself what is it really that you're saying yes to and with that awareness the space for no will grow organically you won't have to force yourself into doing something that emotionally you're not ready yet i don't believe in forcing anything anything at all 
So always look for something that you already have one foot in or the, the window is a little bit slightly open so you can breathe into this fresh air. Always look into that. And then the new know or the new path or the new decision, the new career, the new partnership, the new relationship will, will begin to form from what is possible. Do you think it also has something to do with self-worth? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the sense of, of feeling not enough, the inadequacy. Um, you know, funny enough, it's kind of ironic, but at the same time, it's not that today we have so many more options um, to offer our gifts and our contributions to the world. And because that we, we, because we have more exposure with internet and self-publishing and, and traveling everywhere. And so, you know, women can, can be more mobile. At the same time, we have more examples, as I mentioned earlier, of what it actually means to be successful and to, to make it happen. And so if we start from feeling that I'm not good enough, then I will resort into comparing myself to what is happening outside. And, and that will also make it more difficult to set the right boundaries. Um, and, and here again, I'd like to say that it can actually be easier than we imagine it to be. And so if we imagine boundaries to be, I like to imagine them to be like waves of the ocean. So it's not something fixed. It, it has movement in it. And the, 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 the ocean, right, has a relationship with the, with the shore. And so each time we're kind of like checking in, okay, so let's say I want to set up a boundary now and to say at work, um, I'm not doing that task anymore because there are other people who can do that and it's not in my job description. And then I can bring my attention more fully into develop what it is I'm supposed to do, right? And so setting that kind of boundary or in other words, saying no to what you're, you're not aligned with would be more like, how can I communicate that in a way that I'm not, apologizing for saying no and I'm connecting to what I'm honoring both in myself and in the other person not as a way of flattering but as a genuine you know as a genuine find something that you do appreciate in the other person and say you know this is what I appreciate myself this is what I appreciate in you and in creating a conversation between the two this is what I can see would work best for both of us. Yes, I just had this um, conversation with um, a friend and we talked about boundaries. And he was kind of commenting that boundaring, boundaries are something very like harsh. And I'm like, no, boundaries don't have to be harsh. And I love that analogy of the waves, right? And, and, boundaries also don't always stay the same it's like it's like a moving object right it's like it's like this i always have this you know visual of this energy field a little bit around me like depending what the situation is i might need to expand it and you know i mean a state where i need a little bit more you know 
boundaries <laughs> and then depending what the situation is or how I'm feeling that wave is coming closer to me so it's it's that that yeah that flowing it's not an object but you know you know what I mean yeah. right absolutely boundaries are very flexible and they change all the time as well just like the waves oh. in the ocean yeah mm. yeah uh, it brings to mind one uh, one one of the participants in a meditation course I teach regularly, mindfulness, the foundations of mindfulness courses. Um, and one woman asked me, how come is it that I, in the meditation sessions, I feel so grounded and I feel so good and everything that I want to resolve in my life and the stress, everything seems so clear. I know where I need to go. I know what I need to do. I know how I feel. I'm okay with everything. As soon as I go to work, it's like everything fades away. It's like I, I have a bubble of mindfulness. And when I go to work, it's like it's not working. Why is it? She asked me. And I said to her, you create that bubble. Nobody else creates that bubble. That bubble is because you want to push away all the discomfort of life just so you can feel comfortable in some. So this also can be a boundary, but it's an unhealthy boundary because it's, as your friend mentioned, it's a very rigid boundary saying this belongs here, that belongs there, and I don't mix between the two. But if you begin to open a little bit and you begin to bring your practice, um, your wishes, bits and pieces of who you are into different spaces, then you discover that boundaries are not so rigid but are actually a way of communication and i would like to also say one thing when you begin to set boundaries it doesn't feel comfortable and it's not supposed to be feel comfortable because you're just not used to it and anything that we're not used to like you know putting your shoe your feet in your shoes it's not necessarily entirely comfortable at the beginning don't look to be comfortable look for something that feels right to your heart and follow that or another example that I give women is, you know, when children begin to speak, they get so excited with their voice that they begin to, ah, 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 you know, in the coffee shops and restaurants. And for the untrained ear, it sounds like they're screaming or they're shouting. But for someone who pays a little bit closer attention would notice that they're just exercising their voice to get to the right pitch. And that's how it feels at the beginning when you set boundaries. It feels like you're screaming at something where you're not. But give yourself the permission to make mistakes and maybe you will scream and you can always say sorry afterwards. You know, I'm trying something new and I don't always know how to do it. But know that it takes time to kind of like find the right balance and the right tunement and you can make mistakes. It's okay. So beautiful. It's exactly that. We're so afraid of making mistakes. So we'd rather not do anything instead of doing something wrong, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a really good, you know, circling back to declaiming your space. And so you have your book coming out in, in December that is called um, Claiming Your Space, which I'm so excited about. And the book is about how women heal from the invisible effects of the mother wound and come home to themselves. Mm -hmm. So 
when I read this, I literally got goosebumps. <laughs> and I was just like inside, I'm like, yes. <laughs> and just without, of course, giving away, you know, too much of the book. But can you just talk a little bit about the mother wound? Yes, absolutely. Well, the mother wound has um, has a few dimensions, and I'm focusing only on one. So the mother wound uh, can be looked at just through the dimension of Mother Earth and how we have been abused, Earth, our mother, and what is happening to us because of that. Another dimension is the social dimension. What does it mean to be a woman in our society today? Um, I'm not talking about these dimensions. I am focusing on the individual relationship uh, between a, a woman and her mother, knowing that many women have had a, a severed relationship with their mother, whether because um, she neglected them, she abused them, she was narcissistic, she had a controlling personality, um, even, you know, was give, given her her child to adoption or was so unexpected in her responses to her daughter, was so um, unappreciative only if there were certain conditions met. And, and there are many examples of, of how a mother wound can be created. But the underlying, underlying uh, character is that you have a wound or a pain that uh, was created because your relationship with your mother was not nourishing and supportive to an extent that had an impact on your life. And so this book is um, has come about from actually realizing that many women who come to my coaching practice come because they feel that they've hit a ceiling in their career and they want to break through that or they feel that they're just unable to get through some tough and charged feelings like anger or jealousy or sadness or because they um, find it very difficult to <clears throat> uh, create um, nourishing relationships and, and, and so on. I need a sip of water. Go ahead, please. And <clears throat> what I've discovered is that as we start working together, and as I've mentioned, I'm using awareness as the guiding kind of principle. So I don't go and necessarily, as, as in many other practices, we dig in old graves and start with the past. But the past comes in because it has space in the present. It takes space in the present. And I learned that the common denominator of many women is that they are actually um, struggling with with um, symptoms, let's call, call them that way, in the present because they've ha they have had a difficult and painful relationship with a mother. And so when I began to, to look at all these women who find it difficult to claim their space because they don't trust themselves enough, they feel they're not good enough, they're... Uh, finding it difficult to set boundaries as we as we spoke or or feeling always not enough in some way there is a shadow 
that even if they have dealt with through psychotherapy and psychoanalysis and other meditation retreats and coaching, it still casts a shadow in their present life. And so this book really focuses on um, case studies from my coaching practice and how by looking into our present time, we are actually also healing maybe the leftovers, maybe you haven't even dealt with it before, the, the difficult relationship, the mother one that, that is um, impacting who you are today and how you relate to yourself today. Well, I'm super excited. For Thank the you. <laughs> so you are very generously offering to all the listeners a free series they can find on your website. And there's three easy and most ignored keys to feel at home with yourself. Yeah. Oh, so can you tell our, our listeners where they can find more about you and where they can get this series? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for asking. Um, so uh, one easy way is to go to my website, ShellySharon.com. And on the homepage, you will find a little bit of a poem um, that hopefully will speak to your heart. And then somewhere along the lines, you will find the invitation to join the what I call the newsletter, where I write every week uh, to your inbox certain kind of inspirations and uh, practical steps that you can take to feel more at home with yourself. So when you subscribe to the newsletter, you also will get um, a welcome series of three emails with these three keys that are quite easy to apply and will make you quite immediately feel much more at home with yourself. And then another way of engaging with me is to connect with me on the Instagram account where I post regularly, almost every day, short vignettes about being at home with yourself. How do you actually do that? Um, I like to bridge into the daily life. So uh, using the word practical comes to mind that these, these short stories, these short vignettes, these short kind of writings or even poems are giving you something that you can apply immediately. Excellent. And we'll put everything into the show notes as well. So Thank you. So last but not least, we are on the Life Creation podcast. And Life Creation means how all aspects of our life are creatively intersected and influenced by each other. Life curation is about connecting the dots so that the whole beautiful artwork of our life can emerge. Mm -hmm. Do you have a life curation quote or a mantra that guides you in your life? Yes, I do. And um, I love this so much. I also used it in my, in my coaching, uh, life alignment coaching page. It's by Parker Palmer, and it reads, Before you tell your life what you intend to do with it, listen to what it intends to do with you. Before you tell your life what truth and values you have decided to live up to, let your life 
tell you what truth you embody, what values you represent. So before you really tell your life what you're going to intend with it, listen, because your life has something that it intends to give you and to do with you. And before you decide, okay, I'm going to stick to these values, listen to the truth that is already embodied in your own presence and, and lean into that. Beautiful. What a beautiful way to finish our conversation. Thank you so much, Shelley, for being here and for sharing your insights and your wisdom and for everything. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for creating this beautiful space and also creating this beautiful space of uh, life curation. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It has been a, like your life curation, it has been an artful conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Life Curation Podcast. I would love to hear your takeaway from this episode and what little thing you can do to start to curate your life today. You can find all links and more in the show notes linked below. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to send it to your friends, family members, or whoever you think could benefit. This is how I get a lot of my inspiration and discover new information when I see something on social media or a friend sends it directly to me. And of course, a stellar review over on iTunes and those magic five stars mean the world to me. Thank you so much for being part of Life Curation. Thank you.